All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to hop in with everybody as we get to talk about these Denver Nuggets. Uh, I, I guess I'm the only podcast going live tonight. I know the DNBR guys are going live tomorrow. I know they're down in Summer League. Wish I was down in Summer League, but also kind of don't wish I was down in Summer League right now. There's... Uh, it's 110 degrees. It's packed there. And I am okay. I'm going to go on vacation in a couple weeks. So I'm definitely not super worried about it. But I got to watch the Summer League just like everybody else. I was on um, my couch. Sorry, Cedric. I I know you're, you've been asking about me, but I am not there. I am unfortunately uh, back in studio, uh, but was able to hang out and watch and enjoy uh, all of the festivities just like everybody today. Uh, I'm going to be resident Victor Wembenyama hater, apparently. That's that's going to be my title. I, I didn't say anything controversial in what I said, but that is what it is. Uh, apparently, saying that Victor Wembenyama would be an all-star out of the gate in his rookie season was a, was a smidge too far. I mean, he's coming to the Western Conference. The West is like, it's stacked. So I'm, I'm not really worried about that, but Look, is what it is. Going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Jude. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I've had several people say uh, that, like, ask me if I've gotten a haircut over the course of these last what, five days or so. And, and I still haven't, but that's okay. I do appreciate the compliment. Thank you for all the love, of course. Uh, do appreciate it. On this episode, we are going to chat about Summer League. We are going to chat about uh, everything ranging from Denver's debut uh, to Victor Webinyama to some of the other games. Uh, anything that you guys want to chat about in the chat, I'll, I'll definitely reference here. But uh, for the most part, we're just going to focus on the Nuggets versus Milwaukee Bucks game that happened where Denver, they lose to Milwaukee. Milwaukee wins 92 to 85. Every quarter was pretty tight. Uh, just kind of going back through the box score, I was pretty... Uh, it, it's it's definitely a different impression when you go back through the box score in some of these games rather than just, like, watching. Because every time I was watching, every time I was tweeting, every time I had these takeaways, they were very positive. They were very uh, good takeaways where I thought there were a lot of positive plays made by the Nuggets. And I keep looking up and the scores, you know, it's pretty even. And Denver's up by uh, six points, they're up by ten points, and then... Um, Milwaukee goes on this massive run, and it felt like, oh my gosh, they just absolutely killed Denver for a stretch. Uh, but every single quarter that Denver played against Milwaukee, uh, I think Milwaukee won by one point, or Denver won by one point, except for uh, the third quarter, where Milwaukee won it by eight. So all, obviously like a, a different feeling when you're watching something, not really caring about the score as much, but... Uh, I thought that Denver played reasonably well. I didn't see anything massive that I had I, I had major takeaways over in terms of, oh, man, that was horrible. That's so bad. Uh, I went back and watched some of the highlights. I'm not going to do a ma- massive deep dive for these particular podcasts, but I was impressed with Peyton Watson. I was obviously impressed with Hunter Tyson. Jalen Pickett looked a little bit better on rewatch as opposed to in the initial. Uh, and Colin Gillespie, I think, looked a little bit worse. Uh, So lots of stuff, I think, to break down in this one. I want to hear your takeaways in the comments. Make sure to drop those when you can. But we're going to get into it now. And I think the best place to start with is the guy who was on the thumbnail for this thing, 
Hunter Tyson. Like, who knew? Who knew Hunter Tyson would be the story of Summer League for Denver in a lot of ways? I actually, I think Peyton Watson's probably the guy that, that would be my story, but Hunter Tyson, such a shocking uh, leader for Denver in the scoring department and the playmaking department. I just wasn't expecting it when he actually started doing the things that he was doing. Uh, I mean, you, you look at the box score that he had, and it kind of leaps off the page. He played 27 minutes, which was more than uh, Julian Strother. It was more than Ismail Kamigate. And he had 21 points, five rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block. Went seven of 13 from the field, three of seven from three. And the thing that you take away from it, or at least that I took away from it, but he, he scored in so many different ways. I was really surprised by the way that he scored. And it wasn't something that anybody was really expecting. Uh, he hit the open shots that he got, and, and he got a couple of them to really get himself going. But he also hit a face-up iso fallaway. He also hit a pull-up three in transition, a pull-up jumper. Uh, he came off a screen and hit a three. He had a back cut and drew an and one. He slashed to the rim. And in one of those plays, I think he was drawing fouls on, on that one, but it was a nice slash to the rim from the left corner where he took his defender by surprise by blowing right by him. So uh, there, there are some interesting plays from Hunter Tyson in a situation where I don't think anybody really had massive expectations for him. I mean, he was coming off the bench in summer league. So not really like this massive uh, belief that he was going to do well, but I'm not surprised that he did well in retrospect. Like He actually has a, a pretty versatile game in terms of his ways that he can get to his shot. Slowed down a little bit in that second half, but I'm not really worried about that. This is about the flashes. This is about what you want to see. Uh, impactful as a rebounder, had a couple offensive boards. Also uh, a little bit slow on the perimeter defense and in, in some closeout situations, but I was mostly impressed by Hunter Tyson. I think that he's going to be one of those guys that I'm always going to think is a little bit too slow. And I keep, like, some people say that he's a small forward. I think of him as a traditional, like, stretch power forward, like, just makes a lot of sense for that particular position because of the speed at which he plays. And he's, he's not a quick guy. He's not, like, this massively twitchy athlete or anything like that. And he's going to have to be super, super smart in order to uh, keep up at the three. So I, I just don't think that he's going to end up being that mostly. I think he's mostly going to be a four. But uh, we'll find out. Like there, There's plenty of opportunity. I don't want to pigeonhole him into this situation where he has to play one way or the other. Uh, but I am going to say, hey, it's, it's at least funny to see Hunter Tyson be the guy that really showed up because I, I was just thinking about this. Calvin Booth, uh, I put on the thumbnail. He, he doesn't miss. Like, does Calvin Booth ever miss? And I think it's a fair question because... Hunter Tyson was the guy that people had the most questions about. I certainly had the most questions about. I thought his skill set a little bit duplicative with Julian Strother, who I think has a, a higher ceiling. And I still probably think that Strother has a higher ceiling. Uh, some of the shots that he made, we'll get to him in just a sec. But what I will say is that if he, if Hunter Tyson is going to make it into the NBA, it's going to be as a four. It's going to be as a mismatch specialist. And it's going to be as an outside shooter where if you believe in him hitting 40% of his threes, you always have to close out on him. Think of Georges Niang as the comp here. 
Think of Georges Niang as the guy that is not a massive athlete, actually a, a subpar athlete, but can still be a productive player, still be a helpful player for a team because of his outside shooting, because of his rebounding, and because he can shoot in a couple of different ways, whether it's off of movement or if he's closing out on, on various jump shots and things like that. Like I think Georges Niang is a pretty good comp there. So we will see what ultimately happens with Tyson, but really impressed with him to start. Peyton Watson proved that he's ready for the NBA level. And I didn't really have many questions about him. I wrote about him multiple times in terms of what the expectation is for him. I, I made sure to highlight him specially on milehighsports.com. If you want to go read that. I think that what Peyton Watson is going to be doing at the NBA level is a little bit less um, complicated than what he did at Summer League. He is kind of operating as that number one number two option right now at the at the summer league level where I don't expect them to really be that at the NBA level. I think he's going to be more of a complimentary wing, somebody who can handle on occasion, but will probably spend more of his time as a defensive-minded three. And Denver needs that, obviously. They need somebody who can slide into that role, give Denver a little bit more size and athleticism. And it really showed. His size and athleticism on the perimeter really showed in this particular matchup. And he was going up against Marjan Bochamp, who came on strong in the second half. I want to give Marjan a lot of credit. But it was pretty clear to me that Peyton Watson was the better player just watching these two. Having, like, watching those guys kind of go back and forth, you could see Peyton Watson finding more ways to contribute. He made some really impressive passes that weren't, like, they were not converted for assists. But I actually think that if you looked at the potential assist numbers for Watson, it'd be up towards like six, seven, or eight. He made some good plays and set up some good passes for his teammates. Uh, he got to the free throw line 13 times and made 10 of 13. That is a good enough ratio for me in terms of like his, his overall free throw percentage. If he could be at like 75, that's great. The, no, don't eat anything crazy. Just can't be 65. Uh, and then three steals and three blocks is also fantastic. Hit a three off of a kind of what what I'd call a, gosh, it's like a fading action where he's trying to come up to the slot. His defender goes under a screen. He instead backs out and fades back to the corner and then hits that three with a, a pretty wide open shot. Looked very comfortable in that and looked a lot more comfortable in those situations and dribbling and doing a lot of different things. Uh, that's exactly what you're wanting from a guy like Peyton. You want him to look like the best version of himself at Summer League, where uh, he should have outgrown this level or at least be close to it. And so it, it's great to see. He is still going to have to show some stuff. I, I want to see him get on the glass a little bit more. I'd like to see him continue to handle the basketball a little bit more and see what he can do off the dribble. But for the most part, I was just really, really impressed. You don't always want him to go full bore and fully aggressive at an opposition. Like you'd like to be a little bit more patient to set some things up. But he's got that physical advantage right now. He's got that athleticism. You want to see him take advantage of that too. So hard to really denigrate that at all. Uh, really, really impressed with Peyton. He deserves a ton of credit for his ability to... Uh, for his ability to just step up in this moment for Denver and kind of be the the best player on the team. So 
Really excited to see where he continues to go. I don't think he's going to be that like one and done summer league kind of player. He could benefit from having two, maybe three more games. Like, does, don't need to shut it down any sooner than that. Let him play, let him develop, let him lead, and see where it comes after that. Should be interesting. One more before we hit a break. Uh, Jalen Pickett. Obviously, I'm friends with Adam Marsh. We talk a lot, uh, listen to the show that they do. And a lot of the background and a lot of the stuff that I got from the Nuggets themselves was a ton of Jalen Pickett hype. And there's a lot. Like there's there's a lot of good stuff that he did tonight. Not necessarily the most like he, he made some impactful plays, not necessarily the most flashy plays. Uh had some really good skip passes, had some really good rotations, things like that. He's a very smart player. Wasn't really behind the play a ton. What I really noticed from him that stands out is how short he is. And when you're trying to play him next to another guard, those guys are going to be pretty short. Uh, Jalen Pickett is obviously small for a two. He's listed at 6'4". I don't think he's that tall. Uh, and he's, I would say, a bit slow and unathletic to defend point guards consistently. Got blown by a couple times. Did some good things where he stays in front of the ball handler. Uh, but I think that's going to be more of a scouting report thing. So maybe it's not the best thing for a summer league scenario where you're not really digging into the scouting report into somebody's tendencies. Jalen Pickett strikes me as a player that when he gets like fully integrated into something that you're doing, like if you give him a scouting report, he's going to absorb it. He's going to excel at that. Doesn't really have that in this kind of environment. Uh, but he also didn't look extremely comfortable handling the ball. He did make a couple threes. He didn't get great separation in general as, as a point guard, and he's never going to. Like That's not really his game. Uh, but he still managed to be solid. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say he was horrible. Like, just listen to the stat line. 12 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals. Did have 3 turnovers. 5 of 9 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. No free throws I thought was interesting. I think that that's going to be something I'm going to watch where if he's not getting to the free throw line, a lot of it is because he's a little bit bothered or teams are not really falling for his tricks. So, as we continue to watch him a little bit more, that's a number that I'm going to be trying to pick up on. How many free throws does he does he draw for himself? Make things easier for himself. How many turnovers is he committing? And what kind of things is he setting up for his team? But hey, above 50% from the field, 50% from three, hard to really criticize that much. I did just notice teams like the opponent shooting over him a ton. And, and whether that was him or Colin Gillespie, both of those guys, I think... Uh, they, they were shot over a ton on the defensive end of the floor. So that's going to be something to watch for a small backcourt like Denver. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go over Colin Gillespie, Ismail Kamigate, and Julian Strother, uh, as well as Victor Wembenyama's debut and, and what he did for the Spurs. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our great friends over at Superbook Sports. We're changing the game. Help your bets stay hot this summer with Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now you'll use the promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match all your bets up to $250 with promo code MILEHIGH. All you got to do is download the Superbook Sports app, enter the promo code MILEHIGH, and you'll get $250, courtesy of Superbook. 
Visit their website, superbook.com, for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. Can it be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast? Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. Um, doing this thing where we're trying to we're trying to grow the YouTube channel. Like that's that's something that I think is going to be a goal of Mile High Sports is there's going to be some interesting things coming down the pipeline. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but it's not just me. Uh, I think that it would be it would behoove everybody who's just hopping in here, uh, enjoying life. If you haven't already subscribed, do so. You'll be worth it for many reasons. All right. Colin Gillespie. A little bit disappointing, but I also have to remind myself that Colin Gillespie's coming off of a broken leg. Full stop. He's, he had a broken leg. This is his first action back, his first live action back, really, in terms of an actual structured game. Uh, he is a very talented player. I went back and watched for my for my summer league preview that I posted earlier today. I went back and watched some of the film that he had at Villanova where he battled against Christian Brown and Kansas in the national championship game, his final game of college. And to say that Colin was an absolute stud in that game, I think it would be underselling him. I think he was great. I think he was awesome. I think he made some very, very important plays and just absolutely shined in that particular environment. This particular game, he looked a little bit overwhelmed. And that's not really a surprise uh, from an athleticism standpoint, from a physicality standpoint, coming back from a broken leg and you're playing 29 minutes. Like, that's a lot. Of course, it's a lot. So I don't want to pile on because that would be completely unfair. Uh, But what I will say is that Gillespie looked a little bit overwhelmed. Just three points, two assists, two rebounds. Did have three steals and a block, but had four turnovers and five fouls. Shot one of seven from the field, 0 of three from three. Um, He's going to need a chance. He's going to need a little bit more time to develop. Going to need a little bit more time to think, just understand what's expected of him and what he can and can't do, and then try to leverage the defense a little bit. What I did like about his game from today was that he was able to generate some pretty good separation. He's very crafty. He understands what he needs to do in order to get space. He just didn't really convert on that space. Had a couple times where he isolated at the top of the key, created some space for an elbow jumper, didn't drop. Uh, had a couple times where he drove to the rim, missed a layup, or like he had to pass out of it because the help was there and, and then nothing really came of the play. So didn't really benefit from that. But I'm still going to try to be positive with Colin because, I mean, he, he deserves that. He absolutely deserves that. And I really, really hope that the two-point guard system that Denver has where they're also trying to have Peyton Watson handle the ball, I hope that that is not cannibalizing those opportunities. 
I had somebody message me earlier. They're like, oh, Colin's shooting so much. He's just taking so many shots and opportunities. He only shot the ball seven times and had two free throw attempts. So it wasn't like a crazy amount. He he was doing most a pretty good job of just kind of playing a complimentary role for Julian Strouder took more shots. Peyton Watson took more shots. Jalen Pickett took more shots. Hunter Tyson took more shots. So like he was definitely on the lower end of the totem pole in terms of how many shot attempts he's trying to get up there. I hope that he continues to stay aggressive and takes those opportunities when he can get them because it would stink if he kind of faded into the background a little bit and didn't have a lot of momentum heading into the season next year. He stuck on that two-way and and Jalen Pickett, like, because I think the Denver Valley is Jalen Pickett. I hope that Colin continues to push him. I hope that they continue to push each other because that would really benefit that duo. Is if you're like tide raises all all boats, like that's sort of how I view it. And so I hope that Colin continues to get better because Denver could absolutely use it. So we will see. Um, Ismail Kamigate. Kamigate, um, I also had a lot of people complaining to me about Ismail. Like, and, and we need to come up with a nickname, by the way, because uh, Is, I think Is is his nickname. I think that this is a fluke situation for Kamigate. I think that if you look at the plus minus, 22 minutes, Ismail Kamigate was a plus two. And it didn't really feel like he was that great. Now, a lot of that is the benefit of other people. Kamigata had one block. He had a couple assists. He had six rebounds in 22 minutes, which is decent. Uh, had five points and got to the free throw line four times. Taco Fall didn't really do much. His plays were loud. He didn't take any shots. The only shots that Taco Fall attempted against him were free throws, where he got to the free throw line and uh, made some really, really impressive plays. Don't get me wrong, but like, uh, Taco Fall was a minus 17 in 16 minutes. The Bucks didn't actually play well when Taco was out there. Kamigate had a really, really tough time with that matchup, like individually, but the Nuggets as a whole didn't really struggle at that point. I thought that Kamigate was actually better in the minutes where Taco Fall was off the floor. And he did so, like he grabbed both of his offensive rebounds when, Kamigate, when uh, Taco Fall wasn't out there. And the reason why I keep bringing up Taco, he's like 7'6 and 300 pounds. It is a unique experience to go up against Taco Fall as a backup center. And like that's what Kamigate is projecting to be. So he is going to have to do a little bit more, in my opinion. He's going to have to figure out how to impact the game a little bit more holistically uh, as somebody who can uh, just do a little bit more from the offensive side of things. Not necessarily anything crazy, but I would say that Kamigate... Like he's going to have to have a little bit more passing into his game. He did have a couple assists. That's great. Uh, he's going to have to be a little bit more aggressive looking at the basket. Like you know, can't just shoot only when he grabs offensive rebounds. Like that's that's weak. Like he's got to find ways to create other opportunities for himself. I hope that he can find that. It would not surprise me if he looked at this opportunity for himself and was like, "I am here to rebound and pass and defend." And he did have a couple of nice defensive possessions. I also think that there were some times where he didn't hustle for various plays and didn't make the extra efforts at a couple times. So that's at least something to watch. But I don't want to make a big deal out of it too much. He's still trying to figure this thing out. 
And I do think that in general, Kamigate is gonna like he's gonna have some opportunities to get better. He's gonna have some opportunities to shine. I hope he takes advantage of those opportunities. Um, and finally, of the roster guys is Julian Strauber, the first round pick for these Nuggets. I thought that he was like I could have talked about him a little bit sooner than this, but I was pleasantly surprised. We'll call it pleasantly surprised by Julian Strauber. There were some good moments from him. And he had a nice floater in that first quarter, showed that off immediately. Had uh, He made a couple threes, made three threes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, he did. Four of 11 from the field, three of nine from three, uh, four of five from the free throw line. Only one rebound, zero assists, two steals. Uh, not this massively impactful performance. I think that the guys that Denver has around him, uh, whether it's Kanagate, Watson, Pickett, like those guys are going to grab a lot of rebounds. What I will say is that Milwaukee's team looked a lot more athletic in general than Denver's team. The Nuggets only grabbed 28 rebounds total, and Milwaukee grabbed 40. They were the more athletic team. They were the bigger team. They played like it more consistently across the board. And Strother, one of the things that you notice from him is he's not this massively physical player. He is a probably a two. If we're being honest, uh, just just watching him play, watching his style, he is probably a two guard uh, that can slide to the three, as opposed to being a three that can play up to the two. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, I'll, I'll just compliment uh, comment on this: three of nine from three uh, from Walter here. It's like the shooting percentage. I'm not as worried about. I think that some of the threes that he made were really, really impressive. And even some of the misses that he had, I'm not not as worried about the misses. I think it's more impressive to not just get up shots because you have to have some value there, but I think the kinds of shots that he was attempting, as long as they weren't too early in the shot clock, and there were a couple of those, um, he has to be guarded. And, he, and having somebody who has to be guarded out there, it gives space to everybody. It allowed a guy like Peyton Watson or Colin Gillespie to get into the teeth of the defense and then kick out after that. Uh, having the room to be able to do that helps everybody else. And I think that Strother's going to be one of those guys. Now, is he going to do more than just shoot? Maybe. Uh, if you amass the number of actual stats that he had across the board outside of just scoring, he had one rebound, zero assists, two steals, zero blocks, zero turnovers, one foul. He's going to have to get more involved. He's going to have to do more stuff. And that's going to be part of his growth process. That's the part of the growth process for every complementary wing, though. So going to have to find more ways to be impactful beyond that. But again, if he's an elite shooter, then you can find a room for that. Like, Think about what Jokic does from a scoring, playmaking, rebounding, facilitating perspective. Like He, he, he amasses every stat. I'm sure he'd be more than willing, as long as Strouder's playing defense, Jokic would be more than willing to take on all of those other stats as long as Strouder's hitting threes. And I think that's the way that Denver kind of views it too. So would like to see him continue to play and continue to do stuff, but it's also one of the reasons why I see Peyton Watson and Julian Strouder. It's a pretty good duo. It's a pretty interesting duo because Peyton Watson does a lot of things outside of outside shooting. Julian Watson does the uh, Julian Watson. Julian Strouder does the outside shooting. Not much else. Great duo. Hey, that makes sense. That makes sense to me, at least. So we'll see whether he can do a little bit more. Uh, I'd like to see him do more than just the floater. Uh, only attempted two shots inside the arc. So like now the other shots, he uh, 
uh, drew free throws on. So going to be interesting to see how he evolves his game. Um, outside of those guys, Grant Golden's passing was impressive. I, I thought I saw a chat earlier, a comment earlier that he could get a two-way. I sort of doubt that Golden gets a two-way, personally. Uh, he was the backup center for Denver, uh, had some great playmaking passes, uh, has the uh, the man bun, if I'm not mistaken, and the, the big, thick beard. And I thought he played pretty well. Three of three from the field, five assists, only two rebounds. And one thing that really stood out when he was out there was that like there was just no rim protection at all because he's not a tall guy. Like he's six seven, six eight, something like that. And like he also doesn't get off the ground. So not a ton of rim protection, not a ton of rebounding when he's out there. Denver would have to figure that out. But he does have a really strong NBA skill with his passing. So maybe there's something there. Uh, and then Armand Franklin, his defense is pretty good. Andrew Funk, I'm still waiting for him to hit some threes. Like Andrew Funk does, uh, he's a great sharpshooter on the outside. So hopefully he continues to uh, make that work. Uh, Cedric, I don't know if you saw this before. Uh, Hunter Tyson got signed to a full-time contract. Uh, he got signed to, along with Jalen Pickett, both of those guys signed the two-way, uh, the two, the second-round exception uh, contract. So they're full-time roster spots. So right now, Denver has 15 full-time deals and two open two-way spots, along with Colin Gillespie. So going to be interesting to see how Denver fills out that those particular spots. If I'm picking from Denver's roster, I also think that there's a possibility that they leave one of those two-way roster spots open. But if I had to pick one of the guys that's on the roster right now, I would probably say Armand Franklin. But uh, it could be Grant Golden. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. I think he was probably the best of Armand Franklin, Andrew fucking uh, Andrew Funk. Good Lord. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Funk and Grant Golden. Uh, so we will see. That's a nice Freudian slip there, folks. All right. Tell you what, let's take one more break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Wemby. We're going to talk about some of the other things that happened at Summer League and any other takeaways that you guys had from this particular game. We will be right back. But first... This message from Scott DeHuff. Gotta love a good Freudian slip, everybody. That's a that's that's one that I will remember for a while. Um, <laughs> uh, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always thank you so much for hopping in on this friday night gotta love it we got over 100 people in here thank you so much for uh, for joining the show really appreciate it uh let me know what you guys want to talk about let me know what you guys like i've got some things on the on the docket here with victor's de- debut and uh the, the game right before that i didn't get to, a chance to watch a ton of it but i do want to talk about wemby because he's the main character right he's a main character in the nba and with as much hype as he has received for coming into the NBA, like I'm not one of these guys that's a hater. I know I, I led with that on at the beginning of this podcast. Like, well, I guess I'm the the Wemby hater now. Um, I think that it is important to not overreact to anything. Obviously, I'm not going to do it with the Nuggets guys, so I'm not going to do it with, with Victor Wembanyama. 
I also know how much pressure they put on him. Like, think about all of the hoopla, all of the advertising, all of the commercials, like, on the uh, on the actual graphic that was at the bottom of Nugget's box, they had a timestamp for the entire thing. Like, they had a, a permanent graphic that was like, Victor Wembanyama debut, 9 ET, uh, 9 p.m. ET on ESPN, which is hilarious because they're they're setting the table for this guy all throughout the day. All of the interviews, all of the the hoopla, all the messaging was about about Victor Wembanyama, and like he deserves it. He absolutely deserves it. This is the most unique prospect we have had come into the league since Nikola Jokic. Just nobody knew about Nikola Jokic. Uh, so it really is interesting to think about what he can be, what he can do. So this was my first opportunity to watch him live. I watched a little bit of his G League uh, when he was back in Henderson, Nevada, going up against Scoot Henderson in those uh, G League showcase games. I I watched a little bit of that, but this was the first time in a long time that I'd seen him, and it really did show how nervous he was for this moment. And it also just isn't really surprising to me that a big man that size who plays like a wing Uh, looks a little bit overwhelmed physically by the speed and the strength of the NBA when in comparison to the French League that he was in during this past year. Uh, Obviously, uh, that's the LNB Pro-A French League that Ismail Kamigate was a part of. And, like, Wemby's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Like, he's doing some crazy stuff. Uh, But there were levels to this thing that he he's going to have to learn he's going to have to address he's going to have to get over and two of 13 is not really a surprise like brandon miller just did the same thing in uh, utah <laughs> or uh, in sacramento i think when he was just out there so not really surprised that this has gone the direction that it did uh, he did show some amazing blocks and the athleticism that he has and the hand-eye coordination and the wingspan that that dude has is unbelievable. So I'm really excited to see what he can do defensively. It looks like he's not going to be able to handle the center position physically. Like, that's just my general read on it. Like, if he's struggling against Kai Jones and Dominic, or not Dominic, like whoever the other Charlotte center was, then that's probably a bad sign that he's, he's probably going to play the four most of the time that he's at San Antonio. They'll have him play the five occasionally, but... When he's going up against Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets, it's going to feel a little bit different. Now, is Jokic going to get Hezzy pull up Jimbo over, like trying to guard him at 25 feet? Probably. Like, that's probably what's going to happen if we're being honest. But I'm still looking forward to it. I, I, like, he's just such a unique prospect. I want to see him succeed. And I'm glad that he went to San Antonio because I think they've got a really good handle on what he's going to be, what he's going to look like going forward. And I'm just very curious to see. Their plan for him, like I, I talking to my brother about it tonight, I don't think he's going to average much over 30 minutes per game. Like if not, like he may average fewer than that. And they're probably going to bring him along slowly. They're probably going to give him some rest. They are probably going to say, look, we want your body to hold up at seven foot five. And we would like for you to not have some of these injuries that other bigs have had before. So we're going to take our time with you. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs are not in a hurry to get great fast. Like they are okay uh, taking their time with this. So it would not surprise me if he plays the four for these next couple of years, 
once he develops that grown man strength, he will probably slide over to the five a little bit more frequently. And then once he's in year three, I'd guess that he's probably like they're probably going to make some awesome moves to try to draft some people to try to sign some free agents, maybe trade for the right guy to pair with them and really set the table for him. And if they find the right option, then like that, he's going to be a problem. There's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be a problem. He has the ceiling of a greatest of all time type prospect. Like it's just the truth of it. Um, do I think he's going to be an all an all star out of the gate? No, but like the last time a guy was an all like actually there have been a couple of guys that have have fallen into that category. Uh, Blake Griffin's the one that I really think about, but that was before the league got so good. So like there there is so much talent in the league right now, especially in the Western Conference where if if Victor Wembanyama takes Jamal Murray's roster spot on the on the All Star game, I'm going to flip because like they're probably going to win. 25 to 30 games next year in San Antonio. And he'll be fun. He'll be awesome. Uh, but I think that the most important thing for him and the most important thing for the Spurs is going to be to take their time and to build this thing up slowly and understand that you don't have to win immediately in order to be awesome. Like he's going to be awesome regardless. So going to be interesting to see. Scoot Henderson versus Amon Thompson. Uh, Amon Thompson, excuse me. Uh, that was the matchup between the number three and number four picks uh, that preceded this particular matchup between Victor Wembanyama and Brandon Miller. Uh, Miller, I thought, was pretty good. Not necessarily great, but pretty good. Uh, he's definitely taken some heat, uh, <laughs> literally, in these last couple weeks uh, being the number two pick, and I, I don't think that he deserved to be that. Scoot Henderson looked the part before ultimately suffering that shoulder injury that he did. Hopefully he's not a guy that because of how big he is, because of how built he is, that he's he's not a guy that's going to break down a little bit too physically. Um, but I know that Portland is very excited about him, and they deserve to be. Like, I hope they get a pretty good trade package for Damian Lillard so that they can build around Scoot Henderson immediately. Like, he's the right guy to build around. So, going to see what happens there. He's a crazy athlete. He's a fun player. He's a dynamic talent. Like, that should be really cool. And Amon Thompson, just an, an unbelievable athlete himself. Shaden Sharp, great athlete too. Like that game was was very fun up and down. Lots of awesome dunks and plays and threes and uh, just exactly what a summer league game should be. Refs kind of took the sales out of it at, at the end of it with the way that they're calling things. But Jabari Smith, uh, that was a crazy buzzer beating three that he had. Really exciting to see. <laughs> really exciting to see uh, Jabari Smith actually make some plays. He was horrible like his last year. And I, he's one of those guys that you can say that he's horrible as a rookie, but knowing that he's going to develop because he, he just has that game and has that style as, as one of the youngest players in the draft last year, Jabari Smith, that like he was always going to be better. He was in a horrible situation for development in Houston. So not really a surprise that in offseason where he can actually take some time and build up his body and really add to his game really helps him out. 33 points tonight for Jabari Smith. That's a good number for him, and hopefully he continues to grow. Hopefully he continues to develop that. Um, Astrid asks, how different is Wemby compared to Kristaps Porzingis or Bol Bol? Wemby, I think, has better instincts than either of those guys. And KP wasn't the dribbler. Like, that's that's one where you could really – Kristaps Porzingis – not a dribbler at all, like somebody who could really do some good things defensively and then had some good moments there. But 
Uh, mostly with KPU is the pick-and-pop jumper, like an outside shooting sniper. Wemby's not that level of shooter yet, but he is a much more creative off-the-dribble guy and passer. I am hopeful that they come up with some good opportunities for offense for him. Going to be interesting to see how he handles that from the high post and like even if they try to get him into the low post because he is going to struggle with leverage. He's going to struggle with like guys that are shorter than him, kind of bodying him out a little bit. Uh, but like Wemby's just a way, way smarter, more unselfish player than a guy like Bol Bol. And it clearly has the work ethic. Like he wants to be great and has put in the effort to get to this point. I'm not surprised that he struggled a little bit here. I do think that like Wemby's going to be great, but I think with Bull, he's already had those in, like Bull already had those injuries and he already had concerns about like whether he was a big man that was only playing basketball because he liked basketball or because he was tall. And like there there are definitely concerns there. I don't think Wemby has those concerns. I really don't. I think I see him as a competitor. I see him as like, just everything that everybody talks about with him. They talk about him way differently than Bull. So it'll be interesting to see whether he can develop on that front. But I do think that it's it's at least an interesting question. Like you have these other tall seven foot plus guys who are very similar body types. Like it, it's a it's an important comparison to make when you have a guy like Bull Bull who was just cut. I legitimately just cut from a team uh, from the Orlando match. Or no, it was from, who was he from? Was it from Orlando? Um, I think it was from Orlando. Like the magic of all teams. And they're like, yeah, we don't, we don't really want you anymore. Uh, and then nobody picked them up. So that says a lot to me about the difference between those guys. Everybody was excited to try to get a crack at Wembenyama. Nobody's really going for bowl right now. Um. What else does everybody want to talk about? Uh, we can talk about what Cedric saw at Summer League. He could be my uh, my correspondent here, uh, the, the Mile High Sports correspondent on the ground. Saw KCP and MPJ and CB at Summer League today. Very nice. Uh, glad to see those guys really checking in. I, I had heard that Christian Brown and Michael Porter would absolutely be stopping by. Did not know that KCP would be stopping by, but that's a good opportunity. That's a, a great veteran to have around these guys. It does just seem like uh, he is going to be like all those guys are going to be good veterans. And Christian Brown, I know a lot of people were a little bit surprised that he didn't play. I, I heard the, uh, I heard, I think it was John Hollinger and Zach Lowe talking about Christian Brown and whether he should be playing in summer league. And then Hollinger's making the argument that Christian Brown should go the Desmond Bain route. I was also making that argument. The difference between what the Nuggets were doing and what the Memphis Grizzlies were doing is they were eliminated back in April and the Nuggets were playing through June. And so playing in July, not really a surprise that they're giving Christian Brown and his body a little bit of opportunity to rest. I do think that he'll be ready to take on a, a larger role for sure, but we'll just see what they do. Uh, Billy asks, Cassius Stanley, will we see him? Yeah, we'll definitely see him. Uh, Denver only brought 12 guys to Summer League. They are not going to have a large roster here. They are going to play their guys mostly, but uh, the only three guys that did not play, Amir Sims, Cassius Stanley, and gosh, who is M. Smith? I, I don't remember who M. Smith is. Sorry, guy. Um, Amir Sims and Cassius Stanley and, and one other guy. Let me, uh, now, see, now I've got to look this up. That is uh, horrible 
from Ryan. Uh, but I do think that like Cassius Stanley will definitely play. He is a he. I mean, he's he's the guy that I think I have my eye on in terms of he looked pretty impressive in that scrimmage. Definitely seems like somebody who could be really really helpful uh, for Denver. So we will just have to see what they ultimately do. Uh, announcing summer league roster. Okay, here we go. Mark Smith. Mark Smith. Excuse me. Um, Kansas State. Shout out to Mark. I hope he makes the, the two-way and, and then gets to make fun of me. Um, Cedric asks, can we talk about how nice the Nuggets are supporting them? Uh, yeah, I think it's a rite of passage for everybody. You want to see your guys really show up. You, you want to see your veterans really welcoming the young guys into the league, especially even the the summer league guys that are just trying to crack it into the league when they don't have a draft, when when they're not drafted. Like, it's nice for Jalen Pickett and Hunter Tyson to see those guys. Don't get me wrong. It's also nice for, like, Armand Franklin, like somebody who is a motivated player to try to get a two-way contract. Like, that's a, a really good opportunity for him to link up with some of those guys whether he's he's met them before. I know a lot of these guys are connected through AAU and through the college circuit, things like that. But I do think that it's important for Denver's players to be a good liaison. Like Jamal has done a great job. Jokic, he's he's not doing that. Like he's in Serbia grabbing beers and more power to him. Like he's he's more than welcome to do what he wants. But I do think that it's an important aspect of Denver's team that they do have guys that are willing to be those liaisons. And the guy who really stands out there is actually Michael Porter, who very connected on the AAU circuit, very connected as, as one of the top high school players in, frankly, high school history. Uh, just one of those elite high school prospects that a lot of people wanted to connect to and a lot of people looked up to that are still in this, uh, that are kind of in this cycle. Like Michael Porter, 2018 draft pick. A lot of these guys, 2020, 2023, you have to imagine that they were also kind of looking up to a player like Michael Porter, even, where he's 18 and they're 13, like trying to become the best versions of basketball players that they can be. And they're watching this kid, Michael Porter, just like absolutely splash threes and dunking on everybody and having the athleticism of Giannis and the jumper of KD. Like that's a, that's an amazing one for sure. Um, gotta love it. Um, what else? Billy Hughes, uh, Strother, Pickett, or Tyson, who do you see having the largest role for the Nuggets this upcoming season? I'm going to pick – ooh, that's a good question because <laughs> now now I can look at it and think, hmm, who has the easiest pathway to playing time? I think it is probably Pickett. I thought I mean, he, was, he wasn't impressive today. But he was at least good enough where you could absolutely say, yeah, like I, I can I can see the vision with a guy like Jalen Pickett. I I think he's he's probably going to be the option, especially if Reggie is like, hey, I, I need a need a day off. I need like rolls an ankle, whatever. Although I do think that if anybody in the rotation rolls an ankle, it is most likely that Julian Strother steps into that spot because he's just a wing shooter. And they're like, cool, we will add wing shooter to this bench lineup, and that makes sense. I think they can always use wing shooting. So we will see whether they actually do that, but I think uh, I think that that's probably the right call, but we'll see. 
All right, folks. I think that is going to do it uh, for this episode. I'm going to try to shorten these episodes, especially these recap episodes going forward. That's going to be one of my goals for pickaxe and rolls. I've, I've got some things going in the pipeline and some some things that I'd like to add to pickaxe and roll, like more episodes, more styles, things like that. Uh, so we'll, we'll have plenty of content out for you going forward. But for now, I'm going to be going live on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday in the evenings, uh, usually around 8 p.m. if there's nothing else going on. But if there's something else, I might push it to 9 like I did tonight. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what ultimately happens. But for now, I think that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show. I appreciate all the love and support as always. Uh, I, like I said, I'll be back on Monday night. Denver will play on Sunday, but I will be going live on Monday night just to stay in a little bit more uh, structured environment. So you guys know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, be there. Uh, be there, be square. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, enjoyed the Nuggets Summer League debut. Hopefully they continue to make some noise and we can have fun talking about it going forward. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your week and enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to you guys very soon.